Steve Lance, your host of the Capitol Report on NTD News. If you have not done so yet, please hit that subscribe button to stay up to date with all of the latest news coming out of the nation's capital and beyond. The border crisis is at its worst right now. That's according to Senator Ted Cruz and a group of Republican senators who just finished up a trip to the southern border. They say numerous illegal immigrants and drugs are pouring into the states while cartels are making billions of dollars each month. I, I figure it's about $18.3 billion per year. I know I just heard four or five billion. No, it's much larger. $18.3 billion is the multi-billion dollar business model of some of the most evil people on the planet. I've been to the border many, many times over the past decade, and it is the worst I have ever seen it right now. But what I saw on this trip was infinitely worse, infinitely worse than what I saw several years ago. The GOP senators blamed the Biden administration's open border policy, especially the so-called catch and release. People are willing to get caught because they know that they will be able to be released in the United States. And Washington, D.C. Mayor Muriel Bowser and New York City Mayor Eric Adams are both calling for the federal government to step in and help to handle those being bussed in from Texas and Arizona. Well, now sanctuary cities in the United States are finding out exactly what that means when they invite people from around the world because Joe Biden is currently in the process of making America a sanctuary country, inviting anyone from anywhere in the world. To discuss the border crisis, I sat down with Florida Congressman Mario Diaz-Balart earlier. The congressman says the cartels now have absolute control over the southern border, and they've brought numerous terrorists into the United States. We also talked about the Hispanic community's reaction to the Biden administration's policies. Here's a look. Congressman Mario Diaz-Balart, thank you so much for joining us. Good to see you, sir. Congressman, when it comes to the crisis on the southern border, what do the American people and the immigrant community need to know about Republican policy? First, we need to understand that what, what President Biden and his administration has done is they've ceded control of the southern border to the narco-terrorist cartels. The people now, the individuals and the groups who are making the decision as to who comes to the United States across the southern border are these narco cartels, the same ones that traffic in human sexual trafficking and guns and drugs and fentanyl, those are the ones now who are in charge of determining, of deciding who comes across the southern border to the United States. It is frankly hard to understand how this president could do that. And uh, these cartels now, you know, the day of somebody trying to walk from wherever it may be in Latin America across the border, those, that doesn't exist anymore. You have to go through the cartels, otherwise they will kill you. And so, uh, and the fact that this administration has given control, absolute control of the southern border and who comes across the southern border to those cartels uh, is insane. It is a serious national security threat. We know that there are numerous terrorists who have come across the border. What we don't know is those that we don't know, right, is what we don't know. But, but um, 100,000 Americans have died because of mostly fentanyl. Most of that fentanyl is, a lot of it is produced in China, but it's coming through the southern border. And this administration seems uh, unwilling to just do the basic responsibility of the federal government, which is to secure the borders. The United States can't be the only country that's not allowed to determine who comes in and who leaves. The only people who are determining that now, however, in the southern border, are the drug cartels. 
So, I mean, it's a giant humanitarian crisis with multiple prongs that you just mentioned. Is there truly a way to solve this? Yes. Look, first and foremost, and you're right, the, the, the president said and the administration has said that their policy is going to be a humane policy. It is not humane when you see what's going on in the southern border. When you see the increased numbers of sexual abuse to women and girls, when you see the, the number of, of migrants who have died, when you see that the cartels are the ones who control the southern border, that's not humane. That's insane. And that's what the president has done. And so revert back to the policy that was working which is secure the border, have border security, interior enforcement. Um, then, by the way, one of the first things that this president did was, was basically toss out the arrangements that had been negotiated with, with Central America and with Mexico, which had resulted in probably the most secure border that we had seen in decades. And so all this president has to do is revert to what was working. But either he doesn't understand or he does understand and is happy with the fact that we have a chaotic situation and mark my words we are going to see very bad things happening because you know there are victims and you mentioned the folks who are you know trying to cross the border who are victims but there are also terrorists and individuals who are crossing the border being brought over by the cartels who I think are going to be doing a lot of nasty things in this country. Congressman, you're a son to uh, Cuban immigrants who fled communism. Um, there's many people that are doing so right now, Cuba, socialism, and Venezuela, different places. Is there a way to ensure that these folks have a pathway to get into the country to seek refuge? You know, I'm glad you asked that because, because one of the things that has happened because of the chaos created by the Biden administration on the southern border is those that might have legitimate asylum uh, claims are not being able to process those claims because it is a disaster. And so you have to clean up the system. Uh, there has to be an asylum process that actually works that people who do have potential real claims can actually come forward. Right now, none of it is working. There is nothing good happening because of the chaotic situation at the southern border. That chaos is caused by the President of the United States and his policies. That is the only individual, his, his administration and his, and his presidency are the ones responsible for the chaos, for the, uh, the increase of women and girls getting raped, for the increase in deaths, and for potential terrorists uh, that are coming across the southern border. And not to mention the fact that, in essence, the United States is allowing the funding of these cartels uh, that are murderous cartels that now have been empowered because of the policies of President Biden like never before. Congressman, we're seeing the Hispanic vote uh, polling uh, toward Republicans in historic numbers. Um, why do you think that is? Because Hispanics um, understand socialism, because Hispanics uh, do not think that the state controls their children and their children's education. They want to participate in that because Hispanics understand, you know, while all these states that shut down their economies, you know, that's fine if you work in an office, air conditioned office, or, and you could do, you know, do it via Zoom. But the vast majority of Americans, including Hispanics, um, don't have that luxury because they got to be working in jobs where they have to be, you know, hands on. And so they suffered the consequences 
consequences more than anybody else from these you know excessive government shutdowns and so excessive government regulation taxation uh, the increase in gasoline prices the increase in in um, food prices and the scarcity of food in our supermarkets by the way which I didn't think was ever going to be possible uh, the Hispanics in, the, in this in this country are, are really receiving the blunt of the bad policies and so they are rejecting uh, the policies of the of the elitists and let's be very clear the, the Democratic Party has become the party of the elitists the elite media the elite uh, intellectuals the elite um, uh, bureaucrats in this country the Republican Party is but now it's pretty evident is the party of working-class Americans of hard-working Americans of tax-paying Americans uh, who understand that the children are theirs not the states who understand that they should make the decisions not some bureaucrat in Washington or in the state capitals so you're seeing the rejection of those call them socialist policies uh, by the Hispanics who have received the blunt of uh, the negative effects of the Biden administration. Carson Mario Diaz-Balar, thank you. Thank you, sir. It's a privilege. Maryland voters took to the polls to elect nominees for U.S. House and Senate seats and the governor. Trump-endorsed candidate Dan Cox has the lead over his opponent, who was endorsed by Maryland's current Republican governor. Here's NTD's Melina Wisecup with the projected results. The projected winners are in for Maryland's primary races. The race for governor is at front and center. The main question is whose endorsement carried more weight in the state, former President Trump or current Maryland Governor Larry Hogan. Based on the results, Trump seems to be more popular among Republicans in the state. His endorsed candidate Dan Cox taking a 16% lead over his opponent Kelly Schultz, who's described as a more moderate Republican. We will never again give over our bodies, our churches, and our businesses to a lockdown state. Attendees at Cox's victory party told NTD his projected win is the result of a grassroots campaign and voters craving to restore freedom. The grassroots efforts for, uh, you know, Dan Cox has been big groundswell, big groundswell. Cox will now face Democrat primary winner projected to be Wes Moore. Moore holds a 10% lead over Tom Perez. But to take the victory, Moore must survive the mail-in ballot count. 170,000 mail-in ballots have yet to be counted due to state law. Mail-in ballot counting begins on Thursday morning. Other projected wins in the state are for Maryland's U.S. Senate and House seats. Current Democrat Senator Chris Van Hollen won by a landslide and is expected to hold down his Senate seat. Democrat Heather Miser is leading in Maryland's first district with around 70 percent of the vote. And in District 4, Democrat Glenn Ivey is expected to take his party's nomination. These two seats are expected to stay blue, but District 6 is a toss-up. Republican Neil Parrott is projected to take on current Democrat Congressman David Trone this November. And this is one seat that Republicans are eyeing to flip in the U.S. Congress. Traditionalist Democrats are fed up with what's going on. And we had a woman who was a Democrat come up and start talking to us. She said, if he wins the primary, she said, when I come back in November, I'm voting for Dan Cox. I think, you know, basic rights, you know, that, that we enjoy as Americans are still there. And I think the majority of people, they might not want to come out and say it, but they still believe in those things. Final results will be announced in the coming days. Mail-in ballots are still being counted and will be accepted until July 29th. Reporting from Emmitsburg, Maryland, Melina Weiskup, NTD News. 
At his victory party, NTD's Melina Wisecup spoke with Trump-backed candidate Dan Cox about how he plans to win over moderate Republicans and Democrats in the state of Maryland. Here's a look. So I'm here with Dan Cox, who just won the Republican primary here in the state of Maryland for governor. Congratulations. Thank you, Melina. I appreciate it. It's a great honor. You know, it's exciting to see everyone, all their hard work, everything coming to fruition, and everyone's uh, hard work just paying off. It's This is what it's all about in Maryland. Definitely. I want to ask you about uh, the general election. I have to ask you, do you think that your campaign has appealed to enough traditional Democrats and moderate Republicans to carry you through the general election? Absolutely, yes. You know, we're the only candidacy that's running to give the freedom back to every single Marylander. So when you look at Prince George's County, when you look at Baltimore City, when you look at Montgomery County, there are large, large portions of Democrats that are tired of the mask mandates, they're tired of the vaccine passport and all of the uh, jab for jobs. They're tired of really the crime that's just becoming rampant in their communities. They want somebody that's willing to roll the sleeves up, get to work, not be afraid to make sure that they're protected and safe once again and make sure their schools are the best in the world. That's what I intend to do. No one else is willing to do that. Now you're running as a traditional conservative. I want to ask you, what does it mean to be a traditional conservative in today's America? Well, for me, it means you get your freedom back. The Constitution is supreme. Every government official takes an oath to it. It's the supreme law of the land, and it needs to be restored in terms of how it's applied. So we can't have these lockdowns anymore. We can't have the government kind of encroaching on our uh, civil liberties. That's got to end, and unfortunately, the last two years, we saw that that was not the case. This is a correction of that course to say that never again are we going to allow that to happen. And it's also embracing, really, of broad policies of freedom that says, you know what, let's make sure that you have the ability to make the money you need, once again, to have the economic wealth that you deserve because you're an American and you're a Marylander. So we're going to reduce the size of, of government and regulation. We're going to try to slash regulations 30% and make sure that people have the opportunity that they need to have their businesses grow. I heard from a couple of people in the crowd who were saying um, their opinions about how the, American, uh, the Maryland election contributes to the national conversation on politics. I want to ask your perception on this. What does the Maryland, this Maryland race contribute to the national uh, conversation around politics and what Americans want from their elected officials? Well, we want transparency, we want truth, we want uh, deliverance of actual um, promises that are made and promises kept. That's why President Trump was such a value to me, because that's what people in our party view him as. He made promises, he kept promises, and he believes in that America first value. And so we see that across the nation, that we're tired of the Biden lockdowns, we're tired of the Biden approach to everything that's just destroying our economy, and we're saying, no, that's not the way that we unite. We unite by saying that government officials have a duty before God to make sure that the individuals respect that their businesses are respected, that their churches are respected, their families are respected, their schools are respected. That has to happen. It's not happening as it should right now. We see the, the pain at the pump exploding. We see inflation going up. And instead of taking action, we see the blame going around. We see people, you know, Biden flying overseas to, to beg for, uh, you know, Saudi oil. When we can open up the oil right here, that's why I've called for an end to the moratorium on oil and gas in Maryland. We can bring a refinery here. We can make sure it's clean because why? We're smart people. And also, when you look at the call uh, that we see in the, uh, my Democratic opponents to expand green energy. The problem that we see is that they're looking at a, an electric grid that is probably, you know, 40, 50 years old. It's not being kept up. We need to make sure that we expand our electric grid immediately and, and strengthen our infrastructure. Instead, we're pouring billions into the catch and release program and to the welfare state, which is creating this um, constant revolving door both in the prisons as well as on, on the public dole and, and not empowering people to be able to uh, create their own wealth.
health. And so that's what I think we can all unite to, to uh, advance here in Maryland. And all of those, this li the laundry list of issues that you just delved into, you know, many would say that the government is kind of a contributor to many of those issues and people who are cons constitutionalists, Republicans or conservatives would say that Repub gov government needs to rein in its power a little bit. How can you as an elected official take action to limit the power of government? Well, immediately on day one, we're going to rescind all of the lockdown orders, all of the mandates that are still in place. Some of them, some of them still forced. Uh, there's a, a process right now being prepared called MyIRMobile.com, which is a, a future uh, vaccine QR code passport, which is able to be expanded to health tracking through the global pandemic center that was uh, announced by my opponent. That's going to end on day one. We need to stop the government overreach into our health care and into our lives. I'll give an example. I had an Iraqi war veteran that was crying out for monoclonal antibodies two days after the governor took it. Sadly, he was denied that because of the stop, use, and shelve order that the Maryland Health Department issued under the governor's orders. My, uh, my constituent sadly died wanting to be able to try that. I like to say let's give people the options that they desire. Let's make sure that their doctors and their relationship are, are sacred, that they can uh, end this government overreach into their lives both in health care and the education system. That's why I'm calling for school choice. I think if we empower parents, we already have a boost program in Maryland. The, the boost program is very popular. Well, let's expand it to all of Maryland. Let's make sure that we have uh, opportunities for all children to be able to have the education that they need. And all of these different areas of government can be reined in immediately through the governor's office. Thank you so much, Dan Cox. Thank you, Melanie. Thank you, you all the best. Thank you very much. I just want to thank everybody for listening to this episode. If you enjoy our content, please leave us a rating and a review as it really goes a long way in helping us spread the truth. Until next time, I'm your host, Steve Lance at NTD, and we'll see you soon.